Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, middle of the week, middle of the month as well, July 15th. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad on your radio, perhaps on a podcast. Maybe you're listening online at supertalk.fm, wherever you are. However you're listening, we appreciate you being part of the show this afternoon. Ceasefire text line is the best way for you to communicate with us. 601-879-4395, that's the number. 601-879-4395 if you would like to be a part of the conversation. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. Unlimited talk and text with 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, $45 per line with auto pay and paperless billing. Without auto pay, it's just 50 bucks a month. How's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. John Harris will join us today in the 5 o'clock hour. He'll spend about half an hour with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. We look forward to our conversations always with John. Get a snapshot of what things are looking like uh, in the NFL as uh, we get closer to the start of training camp and to potentially the start of the regular season. What's he hearing? What's it looking like? That's all coming up. This is also the deadline. We've got, uh, what, uh, not quite an hour left uh, until the deadline for teams to negotiate new deals or extensions with players uh, that uh, currently have franchise tag uh, issues. The two highest-profile guys out there uh, that are potentially dealing with this are Derrick Henry, the running back, who was outstanding last year for the Tennessee Titans, and Dak Prescott, just broke on Henry of the Cowboys. What you got on Henry? Just broke four-year, fifty million dollar deal, twenty-five million in guarantees. That's actually oh, wow. a very good deal for the Titans. Twelve and a half million a year, half of the contract guaranteed, and they lock him up for the next four seasons. That is big for the Tennessee Titans. I was conflicted on this because when the reporting first came out, it all signs were pointing to them not reaching a deal with Henry, but. Like an hour ago, reports came out that actually, final minute, they're going to work on a deal and get something done. And I thought, you know, what Derrick Henry did last year was unbelievable. I mean, hard to believe. But also, hamstringing yourself to a running back has proven time and time again to be a bad call. As great as he is, and as durable as he seems to be, and he's one of the few running backs that actually carried a football team. I mean, I know they had to play in the wild card round, but still, that run was Derrick Henry. Tannehill's play got them there. Henry won the playoff games by himself, basically. Still didn't think it was going to be a good deal. But I thought they were going to give him like 16 to 18 million. 12 and a half? That seems good. 
33 years old signing a four-year... I'm sorry, that's not right. That, that's not right. He's got five years in the league. He's 26 years old. So if he plays out the four years, that would take him to age 30 on this contract. You know, you, you always wonder about the possibility of, okay, are you going to hold out down, down the line because you want to redo it? But that's just kind of the world in which you live. Last year... Derrick Henry led the National Football League in rushing with 1,540 yards in the regular season. He had 16 touchdowns uh, and was just good. He, he was just really, really good for the Titans. And, hey, Dad, you look at Tennessee's offense, there are some offenses where it wouldn't make sense to sign a running back to a four-year deal where you tie up $12.5 million and half the contract is guaranteed. So some offenses are more pass-happy or more air-driven Tennessee's offense is largely built around Derrick Henry. He had 303 rushing attempts last season. That was the most by a running back in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they are a run-first team. They are, uh, their, their mentality is that, that they like to grind teams to death. Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league. And like Borky said, this seems to be a relatively cap-friendly deal for a position that you don't want to sink a ton of money into, cough, Dallas Cowboys, cough. So, yeah, it looks like it's good for both sides. Here's uh, the highest-paid running backs in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey, by salary, uh, has he's the highest-paid at $16 million. Zeke Elliott has the biggest contract. He's $90 million with 50 guaranteed, but it's 15 a year. Le'Veon Bell, 13 a year. David Johnson, 13 a year. So Derrick Henry is going to remain the fifth highest paid running back in the NFL. But he's got some security, right? And he's got twenty five million guaranteed. Yeah, and that that twenty five million is also uh, aside from Leonard Fournette. <laughs> Leonard Fournette's getting twenty seven guaranteed in his deal. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's a good deal. You lock him up. Uh, for four years, if you're Henry, you have the longevity that running backs don't really get. But if you're the Titans, you didn't have to break the bank for him. I, this is a, a big win deal for Tennessee, I think. And and you know what? I know that you didn't have Ryan Tannehill take every snap of every game last year for Tennessee. They were trying to kind of figure out the quarterback thing. Obviously, ultimately, they hitched their wagon to Ryan Tannehill and will do so going forward. But given what he did last year... I mentioned 303 rushing attempts for Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill had only 286 86 passing attempts. <laughs> and so, he was good last year, too. I mean, they used him. It, that, that playoff strategy was not how they made the playoffs. They did not overburden Henry with 25, 30 carries a game like he got in college. It was Tannehill played well. And people ripped on that contract, too, and I, I understand that more than if anybody speaks negatively of the Henry deal, but they didn't overburden him with carries, so maybe they'll be able to keep him healthy for four years. And in fairness, Tannehill only played in 12 games in the regular season last year, so it wasn't the full 16 games, but you still, I mean, if you want to compare you know, quarterbacks that played 16 games in the regular season and kind of make the percentages work, you know, percentage of passing attempts versus percentage of rushing attempts for your lead running back, um, that's pretty balanced in uh, in Tennessee, especially in comparison to uh, to what they do in some uh, some other places. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. You want to be part of the conversation? We can uh, would love to have you do that this afternoon. There was a big story that was um, sports-related but political yesterday. Tommy Tuberville 
won the runoff of Jeff Sessions to be the Republican Senate candidate in the state of Alabama. And when it was all said and done, it really wasn't that close. Now, the, at, at one point, it was sitting at 63-37. I know it got a whole lot tighter than that down the end. The last numbers that I saw were 53-47. The early returns had him carrying most of the counties in the state of Alabama, but not carrying Tuscaloosa County. But as it got later into the night and more votes were tabulated, more precincts came in, he carried Tuscaloosa County as well. It's not the first time that we have seen a coach or a sports figure transition to politics, and some guys have done that well. Perhaps none better than Tom Osborne, the longtime national championship winning coach at Nebraska, who became a respected senator. Uh, you had Steve Largent, who uh, became a was he a senator? I think he was a representative and not a, uh, a senator. I believe that's correct. Yeah, former NFL player, and there are a few Heath Shuler. Former quarterback at Tennessee, signed a big deal with the Washington Redskins, played for a while in the NFL, uh, became a senator. For, who's that? Bill Bradley. I had forgotten about Bill Bradley. That's not a name that was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. So there aren't a ton of examples, but there are some. Did Tommy Tuberville win because of politics? Did he win because of name ID? Or did he win because uh, a person that I know in the political world last night said to me, Trump absolutely cut Jeff Sessions and paved the way for Tommy Tuberville to win. Probably a little all three. Maybe all the above. Yeah, I think so. Have you seen what the uh, Alabama Democrats have done since Tuberville won last night? (laughs) No. They are roasting him from a football perspective. Um, Here's an example of a tweet. We'd like to tell you the most accurate recent polling we've seen has Doug tied with Tubbs 46-46, but you'd think we were lying because Tubbs couldn't put 46 up on anybody except Jackie Sherrill. <laughs> I don't I don't think Tubbs ever got 46 on Jackie. I'm just going to be honest. I have to go back and look. They also um, are calling into question a time where he suspended a player that was accused of uh, sexual misconduct for one game. Uh, they show a screenshot from the movie The Blind Side, and the guy sitting next to Tuberville uh, in The Blind Side was a business manager that got caught up into some corrupt stuff. They also tweeted, Tommy Tuberville said he'd leave Ole Miss in a pine box. Days later, he left for Auburn. Never told his players bye. At Auburn, he had a wandering eye every year. At Texas Tech, he ditched a recruit during dinner to leave for Cincinnati. Wonder who he's lying to now. Some text line. Some Arkansas fan tweeted. They tweeted, uh, "We're gonna ha- we're gonna donate to the c- the campaign because y'all are so funny." And the Alabama Democrats replied, "Well, everybody needs some heppin." Hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty Ceasefire sure Buck is running this account. He will absolutely destroy Doug Jones. Won't even be close. He won because the silent majority is tired of this moral down spiraling in America. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. I was off by an hour on the deadline. It was for Eastern, not for Central. And so Dak Prescott will play the 2020 season on the franchise tag and will be paid $31.4 million by the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, which is an analytics-driven website, uh, Prescott was third most valuable 
in terms of war, wins against replacement, more of a baseball stat, but it's been modified to be used in football as well. So third most valuable in pro football focuses war rank uh, ratings. He had 35 completions of 20 or more yards down the field. That was third best in the NFL. And his overall pro football focus grade last year was 80.3. That was 10th best among quarterbacks. So just a little perspective for where he is and what he means to the Dallas Cowboys. 31 point, uh, $31.4 million this year for Dak. He can be tagged in consecutive years, but for a maximum of two years. If he were to get the franchise tag next year, he would make somewhere between 34 and $37 million for the Cowboys, and then they would get to the point where they do some sort of an extension. Hey, don't you think it's important for Dak in terms of endorsements to remain the quarterback of the Cowboys? Yeah, because I mean, I, I I was just as you were formulating the question, I was like, is there another franchise that offers? That? And there really isn't in the NFL. And there New York Giants. Or, uh, I mean, I, I would Giants, I would prefer Cowboys over Giants if I were an NFL the Gi- quarterback. The Giants don't have a huge outside of you know. There's a lot of Ole Miss fans that are Giants fans because of Eli. But are there a lot of Giants fans in Georgia, Alabama, Florida? No, but there's Cowboys fans everywhere. So the, the only one that might be close, and it's sort of weird to say, but the Raiders. The Raiders have a huge national fan base, but I, I don't think they have the same kind of stroke that the Cowboys have. Well, but, but the reason that I would argue for the New York Giants, it has nothing to do with Eli Manning and the fact that they're Mississippi Giants fans because of Eli Manning. It has to do with the market in which they're playing. You're, you're talking about the biggest oh, yeah. media market in the United States and uh, if not the biggest in the world, one of the biggest in the world. And so the opportunity for pretty significant endorsements when you're playing in that market. Pittsburgh's got a bigger national following, but Pittsburgh's not a market where you're looking at massive endorsements. Has there ever been a new – who's what New York Giant has ever had huge national endorsements? Uh, Charlie Connerly. He was the original Marlboro man. In recent times – you just what, asked a question, and I gave you an answer that was 100% accurate, and you didn't like the answer. It, it, let's modernize that answer a little bit, though. Uh, yeah, give me somebody in the last, I don't know, 50 years that advertises a product that you can still advertise. Are you going to discount Eli Manning because it's more of a family deal as opposed to an individual deal? Well, I mean, what does Eli Manning endorse? DirecTV. Okay, I'll grant you that. Reebok, and then transition to Nike. And is, had is a like huge, the, like Northeast Toyota dealers deal. That's not really an endorsement. If you, if he probably owned some dealerships, if I had to guess. No. And then the, the the Nike thing. I've never seen a Nike commercial with Eli Manning on it. No, but they think. when when they transitioned, they were Reebok endorsement people when the league was Reebok, and I'm sure they transitioned over to Nike. I I, I mean I don't know what it was. Uh, had a Citizen Watch endorsement. Okay. Boy. I guess I'm wrong. I mean, well, I no, I mean, I'm answering your question. I, I guess so, but I mean, like, I, I don't think of, if you said who are the top athletes for endorsements, Eli Manning is not in my top probably 20. Okay. I mean, so do you want to argue Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers has a, a big deal with an insurance company? No, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, well, I mean, Green Bay is a, a big franchise nationally. There are a lot of Packer fans out there. I, I would imagine the Giants probably have more fans than them, though. I, 
I going back to the genesis of this question, I agree. The whole reason I asked it was being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is the biggest deal that's out there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, okay, so yeah. so tell me what what all are Dak's endorsements? Campbell's soup. What else? Yeah, he has a he had the yogurt thing for a while. He had Tostitos for a while. Um, I don't know. He's he's got a few though. Well, hold on a second though. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth when you say, "Look, I mean, Dallas is where you go for all of the national endorsements." And then I ask, I "Okay, what Dallas are his endorsements?" Is, and I, I gave you Dallas, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said that Dallas probably the the fan base. The Cowboys have the largest fan base. They have the most eyes on them. So yeah, Cowboys quarterback is probably always going to be a guy who gets endorsements, even more so than you know. Basically, almost every other quarterback in the league. I mean, even Brady doesn't have a ton of endorsements that that you see a lot of. He might have some products he endorses, but other than that creepy mattress commercial he did a few years ago, what has Brady done? In so he's done Under from, Armour. He did Stetson for a while. I don't remember the. He did Under Armour commercials. Yeah, he signed a massive sponsorship deal with Under Armour. Well, I mean, just signing a, a sponsorship deal and like wearing their stuff isn't the same as. When I think about endorsements, I think about I'm watching television and there's that guy on the TV telling me to buy the product. But, but, but that's not. But that's not what endorsements are. Only yes, those I, mean, I agree are, with that. Th- that is the case. But the the whole point of somebody like Tom Brady signing a deal with Under Armour is every time you walk in Dick's Sporting Goods and you walk to their Under Armour section, there's a big life size mural of Tom Brady in there. The, the reason that Citizen Watches would sign a deal with Eli Manning is so that every jewelry store in America that sells Citizen Watches would have a display that would show an Eli Manning limited edition watch or some sort of, yeah, and print ads and all the things that go along with it. Mm-hmm. An article from last year, Prescott uh, has endorsements with Campbell's Chunky Soup, 7-Eleven, New Era Cap, Sleep Number Beds, Pepsi City, and Akios. I forgot Oikos. about Pepsi. Oikos. That's the yogurt company. Yeah. His endorsement yeah. deals are worth more than $50 million as of last year. Whew. you got to put the finger up there. you got an article. It's buried down into the into the notes now that talks and, and about by the marketable way, on, NFL players. And Peyton Manning is still number one. Uh, Dak Prescott is four. It's Manning, Brady, Mahomes, Prescott uh, in the NFL currently. Peyton Manning is the most marketable NFL player still to this day. It's believable. Absolutely. And and the one that stands out more than anything else is the insurance commercials that he do, does with the with the jingle. So yeah. um that's a that's a incredible list for Dak Prescott. Because generally speaking, NFL players don't do that kind of endorsement stuff. I mean, if you're looking at guys that are pulling down thirty to fifty million dollars a year in endorsements. Mm-hmm. Then you are looking primarily at golf and tennis, maybe basketball for like a LeBron, Jordan, you know, Kobe. Sure, kind of guy. sure. The other thing interesting about that list right there is Dak Prescott's the only one without a Super Bowl. And again, I think that's the power of the Dallas Cowboys. Borky was pointing this out with uh, the numbers as they pertain to uh, to Peyton Manning. So. The Athletic did this story last week, I think it was. Four years retired, hasn't left the public eye, doing the series with ESPN called Peyton's Places, which is pretty good. Um, 
He earned $3.4 million in the year that ended 2020 in marketing dollars from video games, apparel, and trading cards. But that 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 number is not representative, though, of total endorsement dollars. No, right? Right. Yeah. You're just talking about jersey sales, avatar, and video games, and like cardboard cutouts. Yep. Peyton Manning won at three point three million. That's more than Tom Brady at just shy of three million. Patrick Mahomes at two point seven. Dak Prescott at two and a half. So fifty million a year for Dak Prescott in terms of endorsements, and and that goes back to to the original question. In terms of endorsements, Dak Prescott needs to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Right, Agreed. and it's not a year. It feels it's, like that to me. Yeah, his deals Unless are totaling he... fifty, so it's not fifty a year. All of his deals total fifty million. Oh, okay, I got you. It's it, 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 unless he's going to win. If he wins the Super Bowl this year and becomes a, and they let him go, then I think that he could carry that kind of momentum. But if he's not going to win the Super Bowl, yeah, he needs to be in Dallas to keep that kind of the, I think he, to keep that kind of a endorsement power. And we've talked about it. he's taking on a risk and. There's so many layers to this, uh, why Dallas would let this happen. Because if you remember, uh, when McCarthy took over, two weeks after he took the job in the press conference, he was asked, hey, you know, what have your conversations been like with your quarterback? And he's like, well, we haven't really had any. Why not? And now there was no desperation for you to sign him to a a deal like this. I wonder if the new head coach kind of – wants him to prove it first before they offer a deal. But according to Jane Slater, he got a pretty significant offer. Uh, It was just for five years instead of four. But if you wanted him so bad, wouldn't you just drop the year off and get your guy? It's a lot to it. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. I know not everybody's interested in this, but I've always been really, really fascinated with the endorsement side of, of sports, the uh, the business side of things. Well, it's not like we have games to break down, so. <laughs> yeah, but even in the even with games happening, I've I've kind of studied the golf stuff, and it's uh, pretty fascinating. And and here's the thing: all these lists are estimates. They're not, um, they're not accurate because nobody's willing to really go on the record with how much they're getting in endorsements. A lot of work goes into him. Here's one from 2019. And Borky, I know you sent me one that was uh, slightly more recent than that. There was a 2020 list. I just don't think the 2020 list was entirely accurate based on some of what I was looking at. So this is from opendorse.com, which is an endorsement-based website. 2019 highest paid athlete endorsement earnings. Anybody care to guess number one? Hey, Dad, you want to take a guess at number one? Um, Ronaldo or Messi? Uh, Ronaldo is number four on the list at $44 million with notable endorsement deals with Nike, Herbalife, The Zone, D-A-Z-N, EA Sports, and American Tourister. 
What is American Tourister? Is that like a, a luggage company? company. In, oh, okay. Luggage, yeah. Shows how much I travel. Number one on the list, Roger Federer. Yeah. Deals with Barilla, Credit Suisse, Mercedes-Benz, Rolex, Uniqlo, and Wilson Sporting Goods. And by the way, he has since added an endorsement with On Running Shoes. Which, by the way, are spectacular. $86 million in 2019. Tiger Woods, number two on the list. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I get he won the Masters, but he has not truly been week-by-week week competitive on tour since 2013. Moves the needle, though. Every time. And, and that's what it's about for these companies. So for Tiger, and here's the thing about Tiger. Tiger at one point was pulling down over $100 million a year in endorsements. There was a, a, a list at Golf Magazine or Golf Digest. I think it was Golf Digest. They did a list called the richest, and it was the breakdown of on-course and off-course earnings, and they did that every year for several years. And there were consecutive years there, three, four, five in a row, where Tiger was making over $100 million. And then he had his fall from grace, and some of his sponsorships went away. He has recovered fairly nicely. 2019, his endorsement earnings, $54 million. Nike Golf, TaylorMade Golf, Bridgestone Golf. So he's wearing Nike clothes, hitting TaylorMade clubs, and playing Bridgestone golf balls. Full Swing, which is a um, it's a like a high-end golf simulator. Kawa, K-O-W-A, which is an international company. I'm not sure exactly what they do. Upper Deck, Hero Motor Group, which I think, I'd have to double-check, but I think it's the largest Asian motorcycle manufacturer. And Monster Energy. He's got the Monster Energy logo on his bag. You nailed that. Yeah, their stock price is up today, too. Good for them. Hero Motor Group? Yep. LeBron James, third. They heard we were going to talk about him. So, you know, positive <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, LeBron James, third on the list at $53 million. That was in 2019. Deals with Nike, Coca-Cola, Beats by Dre, Blaze Pizza, and 2K Sports. So he hits apparel, soft drinks, electronics, a pizza company, and a video game company. Pretty good portfolio. I do love uh, the thing they've added here, their uh, cost per social media post. So if you were to want LeBron yes. James to put one thing on Instagram one time for your company, up to a million two. One time, one picture on Instagram. All right, so let's, let's backtrack on that. Estimated value per post. Uh, I'm sorry, estimated cost per post. Roger Federer, 90 to 100 and a quarter. Tiger Woods, fifty-four to seventy-five thousand. Tiger's just not very active on social media, and when he is, it's very, very corporate. By ninety to one hundred and a quarter, you you did mean uh, thousands, right? Yes, ninety to one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Okay, for a single post from Roger Federer, LeBron, Borky just pointed it out between nine hundred thousand and one point two five million for a single social media post. He's got 44.3 million Twitter followers and a massive Instagram following. How about this one? Cristiano Ronaldo mentioned the $44 million in endorsement earnings. Single social media post. 
to his $81.8 million, uh, $81.8 million Twitter followers, between 675000 and $938,000. Single post. Steph Curry made $42 million last year. He got deals with Chase. So financial, Under Armour, Apparel, Brita, which is like the water filtering company. Yeah. Palm, which is a tech company. And Rakuten, which is a Japanese e-commerce com- company. And they pay $20 million a year to have their name on the Warriors jersey. They're big into sports, uh, putting stuff on jerseys. They're, they're also on Barcelona jerseys. Phil Mickelson last year made $36 million in endorsements. Social media posts, not very costly for Phil. Well, he just got Twitter, so he's got to build yeah. up that following. He's got about half a million Twitter followers and gets somewhere between fourteen and 20000 per post. But he's got endorsement deals with Callaway Golf, Intrepid Financial Partners, KPMG, you see that on the uh, on the hat. Barclays, which I guess is intrepid, uh, maybe. Uh, Exxon Mobil, Rolex, Greyhawk, Greenbrier, and Amgen, which is a pharmaceutical company. Can you Lionel Messi, thirty five million. Would have thought he would have been higher. The popularity difference between. Lionel Messi and Phil Mickelson is staggering, but yet Phil's got the the certain audience that spends a, a bunch of money, and so he gets the right endorsements. That's still mind blowing to me, though. That Phil is more marketable, at least when it comes to how much, than Messi. Well, it's because how much does a set of golf clubs cost? How much right, does a yeah. soccer ball cost? And that's why Federer is <laughs> number one. I mean, yeah. the, the people that they're marketing to, to are. Uh, a little bit more financially well off than the average yeah. person. Messi has 142 million Instagram followers, and a single social media post from him will cost you more than a million bucks. Yeah. Kevin Durant, 35 million in endorsements. All right, here, here's one for you. Where you go, huh? Key Nishikori. I don't even know who that is. A tennis player. Okay. From Japan. Uniqlo, Wilson, Lixel, Weeder, Jaguar, and Nike. That country, a lot of Asian countries, support their athletes like crazy. I don't know. Have you ever, You've been to golf tournaments. When there's a Japanese player in particular on the course, the following that they have, it's mind-blowing. Media that travels from Japan to cover them like Random Japanese PGA Tour player that you've never heard of is a, a rock star back home. They support yeah. athletes like crazy. You're right. It's Japan. It's South Korea. I mean, the, the following for professional golfers, both men and women from South Korea, is off the charts. Jordan Spieth was at uh, $29 million in endorsement money last year with deals uh, Under Armour, AT&T, Coca-Cola, Rolex, Titleist, and NetJets. That's why I'm giving James a golf club. The highest ranked walk. woman, highest ranked woman on the list, Serena Williams at 25 million. Wheaties, Bumble, Upper Deck, Burley, 
Gatorade, Wilson Sporting Goods, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Nike. Her is her husband the founder of Reddit? Is that who he is? I believe that's correct. Yeah. So yeah, they're doing well. <laughs> yeah. Somebody on the text line, Richard. Who's the highest paid baseball player, or who's the highest baseball player on this? I have gotten to number twenty and not yet have seen have, have not yet seen one. Drew Brees at twenty one made fifteen million in endorsements. Before you get there, who do you think it would be? Mike Trout. No, uh, maybe Bryce Harper. I was thinking Aaron Judge, maybe. All right, so this is from 2019. You got Lewis Hamilton from Formula One at $10 million. Uh, you got to go for a ways to find Harper a, a at 36. Player. Bryce Harper huh. didn't make as much in endorsements as Blake Griffin, who was buried in Detroit. Six and a half million dollars for Bryce Harper deals with Under Armour, Blind Barber, Johnson and Johnson, New Era, Rawlings, Tops, and uh, that's it. I would have thought that Mike Trout's Nike deal was more than that, but what do I know? Anyway, fascinating stuff. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Mike Trout, three million dollars. Body Armor, J&J Snack Foods, Nike, Rawlings, and Tops. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Poll question, Borky, is... In honor of uh, Tommy Tuberville last night, and then... uh, Kanye West, unfortunately, dropping out of the presidential race. I'm going to have to find somebody new to vote for. Um, That's going to be tough. Uh, That lasted, uh, I think, five days, six days, that campaign, so it was well run. Is there an athlete or a celebrity that you actually would vote for in a presidential election? I've got one I I would be intrigued to hear more from. According to The Hill... Days after tweeting he was running for president, the rapper Kanye West is reportedly dropping his attempt to get into the 2020 race. Advisor Steve Kramer told New York Magazine's The Intelligencer he's out. So I said. West tweeted on July 4th he was running for president. His late entry into the race, which is decided in November, meant he would need to scramble to file with the Federal Election Commission in order to appear on any state ballots. The deadline had already passed for several states. West doubled down in an interview with Forbes shortly after his tweet, saying, like anything I've ever done in my life, I'm going to win. Kramer did tell the intelligencer that the attempt to get West on ballots in Florida and South Carolina was going well. So, to Borky's question, on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S, right in poll, is there a celebrity or athlete you would vote for in a presidential election? I mean, there are millions of people that can answer that question in the affirmative because they voted for Donald Trump, who was celebrity. A businessman, among other things, but was a celebrity. He was not a standard politician. So, who else? I'll give you the one I was thinking about. There was a really fascinating story I would want to hear more from Mark Cuban. 
I'm not sure. Well, I'm pretty fairly certain that he would not run as a Republican, which would be an issue for me. Wouldn't be an issue for a lot of people. Would be an issue for me. But if we just get beyond political party, which might do us all some good, there are a lot of things on the uh, the economics and the business side that I think he would bring to the table that could be really good for the United States. I'm not saying necessarily that I would vote for him, but I would absolutely want to hear more and want to learn more about Mark Cuban if he were to go down that road. Anybody else for you? Celebrity or athlete? I love this text from Mike at Oxford. He'd vote for Charles Barkley if he lived in Alabama. <laughs> oh, the, that budget proposal is just terrible. <laughs> Uh, here we go. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Here's one that says, y'all all know Trump is y'all's man. It's a lot of y'all. A lot happening there. Former WWE wrestler and current mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, Glenn Jacobs, also known as Kane, very politically savvy and smart guy. That's from Josh. I saw him in an airport last year. That's a big dude. Big guy. Here's one for Peyton Manning. Here is one for Phil Robertson. King Biscuit says James Woods. He also says that Cuban is a gigantic lib. Yeah, no, I. as I said, he would be running as a Democrat. That would be an issue for me. It would not be an issue for some. But I think a lot of his economic policy would absolutely line up more with the way Republicans and conservatives see things than the way Democrats and liberals see things. And that's why I would want to hear more. I didn't say that. Yeah, whatever. I don't have to justify that. Mike in Grand Bases, Mark Cuban is way too liberal for me. Any names for you guys? Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Harvard man. Uh, see, they keep telling me he went to Harvard, and that means he's smart. So he would also bring a level of swag to the office. I mean, with that beard, no president has had a beard like foreign that. Policy, I'm in. Yeah. He's well traveled too. He's played on what about a dozen teams now. <laughs> Ceasefire text line. I voted for Trump not because of his celebrity status, but because of his ability to manage a multi-trillion-dollar budget. There are many other celebrities. Sorry, there are not many other celebrities or athletes that have those abilities. Mark Cuban may be one of the few. Oh, give me John Taffer from Bar Rescue, too. You're an embarrassment! Don't watch that show. <laughs> Don't watch that show. Why not? Cody and Tupelo so, says Elon so Musk would be interesting. Mm, probably not. Interesting is probably I'd the go. right word. Hey, the, interesting is the right word. He just sent two guys to the International Space Station. Sure. Brian Haydad for president. That's from Jason. Also a vote for Lou Saban. If nominated, I will not run. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 4 o'clock hour on this Wednesday afternoon. Middle of the month in July. Today's the 15th, which means we are, at least on paper, just a hair over six weeks until the start of the college football season. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you. Want to be part... You want to be part of the conversation? 
You can do that on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. Be honest. You know your business deserves better, so get better with the C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. The IT experts at C Spire equip your organization with reliable high-speed internet and industry-leading VoIP phone systems, plus 24-7 local support, so you can focus on your goals. They've got connectivity covered. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. Glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. Did you guys realize we were talking about Dak Prescott and playing on the franchise tag? He will be only the third quarterback in NFL history to play out a season on a franchise tag. I saw that earlier, yeah. Kind of crazy. You've got uh, Drew Brees, who did it in 2005, which I guess that was while he was still with... um, Last that year was in San, San Diego. Diego. Yeah, yeah. last year in San Diego. That's right. And uh, obviously hasn't had to do that since. And then Kirk Cousins, who famously did it in consecutive years, worked out for both of those guys. Um, Drew Brees kind of for different reasons. Kirk Cousins purely betting on himself and taking the economic route. I heard somebody talking about a comparison between Kirk Cousins and, and Dak Prescott, and the difference is at least as it was described in one story, was the Redskins didn't really want Cousins, and he didn't want them, or at least he didn't want to be there with what they were offering. The Redskins, I'm sorry, Washington, never made a competitive or a respectful offer to Kirk Cousins based on what he had accomplished and what the market was. With Dak and the Cowboys, this has been described as simply business. The Cowboys have not made any insulting offers to Dak. Dak does not view what they have offered as insulting. They simply are both looking at it as business. Cowboys wanting to get Dak signed to a long-term deal and willing to pay him top-of-the-market value on a longer-term deal, but they're looking in at the idea of locking him in at top-of-the-market value right now and ultimately saving themselves money in the long run, Dak wanted to get top-of-the-market value now but on a shorter deal so that he could then reevaluate the market and get top-market value again on a third contract. This is the second contract that they're working on, and then the third contract is where the money gets just stupid for some of these guys. Interestingly enough, in terms of money and contracts, the quarterback that has made more money, in fact, the NFL player that has made more money than any other to play in the National Football League, recently retired Eli Manning. And he will remain the highest-paid player in NFL history until 2026 when he's passed by Patrick Mahomes. Pretty good run in the Big Apple for Eli Manning, even if he didn't get any endorsement deals, as Brian Haydad told us earlier. That's what I said. Something along those lines. By the way, Borky did chase down his endorsement deal list, and it was pretty impressive. It was pretty. It's good. I mean, he's the an NFL quarterback. They're all good, man. We had somebody text in yesterday when I brought up the fact that there's conservationists that want Washington to rename themselves the Red Wolves. 
and because they think that just by an NFL team being called the Red Wolves, it would draw attention to the fact that there's only 20 in the wild uh, and would save the species. And a guy texted in and said, so you're saying Arkansas State's not good enough? And of course not. The difference in popularity between an NFL team and even the college football greats is astronomical, the the difference between the two of them. So they're all going to get them, but... You know, Josh Allen's not going to get whatever the Cowboys quarterback is going to get, for example. Hey, NFL, we won't do anything else on endorsements after this, but a buddy of mine sent me this list, uh, again, from the website opendoors.com. The top 10 NFL endorsement deals, Matt Ryan at number 10, $5 million a year. J.J. Watt, number 9, at $7 million a year. Eli Manning was making $7 million a year through Panini, DirecTV, Hublot, which is a watch company. I guess it moved on from Citizen. Uh, Gatorade, um, Nationwide, Nike, Toyota, and Visa. Aaron Rodgers, $9 million. Russell Wilson, $9 million. His deals are with Alaska Airlines, Amazon, Bose, Mercedes, Nike, and Wilson Sporting Goods. And that makes sense. Tom Brady, $12 million. Under Armour, Tag Heuer, watch company. Simmons Betting, and... Do you remember this one? Ugg Boots. Ugg. Boots and house slippers. Cam Newton, number four on the list at $12 million. Uh, Peyton Manning, third on the list, $15 million. Buick, DirecTV, Gatorade, Nationwide, Nike, and Papa John's. Drew Brees, $16 million. Microsoft, Nike, Pepsi, Procter & Gamble, and Wrangler. And Odell Beckham, number one in terms of NFL endorsements. $26.5 million. Nike, EA Sports, Dunkin' Donuts, Head & Shoulders, Foot Locker, Lenovo, and Steiner Sports. Wow. He's got a brand attached to him that I, I mean, yeah, he makes spectacular catches, and if he had his head on straight, he'd be a great player, but He's got a brand that I don't know if, if he's earned it. He's a highlight guy, not a Larry Fitzgerald type, if you will. That's a very Colin Cowherd comparison, but who would you rather have on your team? But OBJ gets all the all the lights, all the endorsements, as you mentioned. Everybody talks about him as far as his athleticism, yet what, I mean, what has he done other than cause trouble everywhere he's gone? I mean, I think he nailed it. Created a brand for himself. He's, he's that that one catch, that crazy, ridiculous, falling backwards, one-handed catch is probably worth more to him than anything else he's ever done. <laughs> it's probably a good point. Probably a uh, a good point. He still gave um, one of the, or he was the. The cause of one of Les Miles' best press conferences. That's true. After Wait, he what? after he returned the the punt back against Ole Miss, 
Les Miles in the press conference afterwards. I was over here leaning. Go, go, go. You've never seen that video? I guess I have. I just hadn't thought of it. I, I only think about have a great day in terms of Les Miles press conferences. Is that the same one where mail. he said you find the boys and kiss them on the mouth if you're a girl? Yes. <laughs> of course it was. So, Kendall Rogers tweeted something last night, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball, that uh, got folks all in a bit of a tizzy and turned out maybe not to be exactly what people had hoped. The NCAA Division Council was voting today on legislation that would allow baseball and other partial scholarship sports to stack need-based slash merit aid with athletic aid. And there are a lot of people that were like, oh, so everybody's going to be able to do what Vanderbilt's doing. And not exactly. That's not exactly the way this is going to work. Now, need-based aid is primarily going to help private schools. Because you have private schools out there who have scholarship offers for students who cannot afford the outlandish cost to attend a place like Stanford or Harvard or Duke or Rice or Tulane, other places along those lines. Really expensive private schools. And their endowments, which we've talked a lot about for different reasons recently, allow them to be able to offset the cost of attendance. And so when you're dealing with a sport like baseball, where you've only got 11.7 scholarships, that's a big part of the reason that it works for Vanderbilt. They can give need-based aid to baseball players to effectively give them as many scholarships as they need. So what does this mean going forward, and what are we learning? We'll continue to look at this when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. About half an hour ago, the NCAA Division I Council passed legislation effective August 1st that would allow teams to give need-based and merit-based aid without it counting against a program's scholarship total. Kendall Rogers says this is big news for college baseball. Division I Council also asked the Student Athlete Experience Committee to review financial aid rules, roster numbers in each sport, and average equivalencies in each sport. In essence, more changes could be on the way for the good in college baseball. This is a permanent ruling going forward. This is not a one-off thing. Here's what's interesting. And, and I'm, I'm trying to still get a little bit of clarity. But the need-based aid is a really big deal for schools that offer need-based aid. Hey, Dad, to the best of my ability, or to the best of my knowledge, neither Ole Miss nor Mississippi State have scholarship programs in place that are need-based. Do you happen to know otherwise? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. Borky? Your guess is as good as mine on that one. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe that is the case. Merit-based is different, though. I mean, that's that's 
academic money. That's scholarship money for the universities. And so if you earn scholarship, you can now stack that scholarship money on top of athletic scholarship money. So theoretically, you can make it go farther. I just don't know if that's... I. That was the reason that I was initially kind of excited about this. And I thought, well, great, now you can... Now you can have places like Ole Miss and Mississippi State using, and Southern Miss, using academic scholarship money from the university to help get you closer to full scholarships. But I don't think that's new, is it? You weren't able to stack before, were you? I think you could stack academic... I we got to get better answers to these questions. Yeah, because I feel like right now I sound like an idiot trying to think through this out loud. Right. My Ryan understanding Coach, yeah, was Coach Lamonis needs to join us today or tomorrow. Yeah, and and I've sent a couple of texts trying to get some answers to those questions. As I understood it in the past, I mean, let, let's say, hey, Dad, that you were on a thirty percent baseball scholarship. I'm sorry. Let's make this more realistic, Borky. Let's say you were. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, hey, Dad, you're on a 30% baseball scholarship. Okay. I was under the impression that you could get academic money on top of that that added up to a full scholarship, but you could not exceed the amount of a full scholarship. But that may not be right. Maybe any academic money would have counted toward the 11.7. I think that's I think that's correct. I think it's whatever age you were on counted towards your 11.7. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then it may not be as big a deal at a place like Mississippi State as it is at Duke or at Stanford or at Rice or Tulane or Miami or wherever. But it could certainly have an impact. Based on just reading Kendall's tweet here, the NCAA Division One Council has passed legislation, blah, 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 that would allow teams to give need-based slash merit aid without it counting against the program scholarship total. It must have counted before. Okay. Okay. Well, then that's a really big deal even yeah. here. So, somebody asked him, the first question is, haven't they always been able to give that? And Kendall says, not without counting against your 11 points. Okay. Then how okay. does Vanderbilt have an advantage? Because they, they could they, give need-based aid. So they won't anymore is what we're, we're getting at. Because other schools will be able to do this. Yeah, it, it, it will theoretically level the playing field a, a little bit. Now, if you don't have need-based aid, you're going to be relying specifically on academic money, and it will depend on how much your university... Um, it will depend on how much your university is willing to work with you on that side of things. Yeah, I think I have a decent enough grasp uh, on this now to say this. Um, until college baseball allows programs to give full scholarships, it, this is it, this isn't a great day for college baseball because there's still going to be an imbalance. It, they should allow programs to offer full scholarships to their players if they want to give them because I know there are small programs that simply cannot afford it. But it, just 
the, the language of, oh, great day for college but, but baseball. Morky, is it ta- because there's still going to be an imbalance and there's still going to be opportunity places like Vanderbilt that can offer so much more money than a place like Ole Miss and Mississippi State that the, the sport, by design, has an unlevel playing field. So it's but not Morky, a great you're day. not factoring in Title IX. You, you can't just go give full scholarships without balancing it on the other That's side. That's why it. the proposal that was in place and the one I just mentioned, if the school can do that, you let them do that. So Ole Miss or Mississippi State may have to add a gymnastics team or something to make it work, but they, outside of coronavirus, would be willing to do that, I'm sure. Or I've heard of some places putting their band on athletic scholarship. To help them with Title IX stuff. So you just you add a couple more women band members than men to balance it out with baseball, and boom, there you go. I feel like this is going to be good for, for the other schools in the SEC, the schools that want to commit to baseball. I would imagine that within very very short order of this becoming official and everything getting done up, that you will see the Rafael Palmero Opportunity Fund available <laughs> at Mississippi State and the, I, I don't know who, uh, the, Zach Cozart fund. I don't know who the biggest Ole Miss baseball player is off the top of my head. Don't have the same knowledge of Ole Miss baseball I do football, Richard. I'm sorry. But, mm-hmm. but whoever it is will donate enough money to start, you know, allowing MSU and Ole Miss to make the same kind of scholarship deals that Vanderbilt's been doing over the past decade. But it has to be school wide, though. Well, yeah, but they'll figure out that way. No, but, but you can, you can write in qualifications in scholarships that allow them yeah. to be awarded Certain great the way point the donor average. wants them to be awarded. Certain I mean, you, war, you know. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that you can necessarily use war for it, but I mean, you you can. You <laughs> it's know. an advanced statistics here. So they can set up a scholarship fund that goes to baseball players. Not specifically. A, see that, but, that that's why this whole thing is just can, stupid. But they'll make it. It's work. not stupid. It gives you a route if you are willing and interested in committing to your baseball program and other equivalency sports, it gives you a route to be able to support them in a way that you were not able to previously. Or we could just do right by the student-athletes and give them a full scholarship like every other sport. But you can't do that right now. Because it costs too much money and they're all in budget crunches. It's the same thing, too. They can give a full scholarship, but they can give them a, a piece of this and a piece of that, and it all adds up the same. This is permanent. So after coronavirus ends, this will still be a thing. And the decision was made to not expand the scholarship limit before coronavirus. I'm not looking at this in a vacuum in just right now. College baseball is screwed, and it has been. The system is screwed up, and you're telling me it's not stupid when we spend every baseball season talking about the state of Mississippi is in a bad situation because it's stupid. But now it's not? The system is flawed. It's, it doesn't make any sense. That Ole Miss and Mississippi State are at stupid a disadvantage. Stupid was your word, not mine. You told you responded by saying it's not stupid. That was your exact response. Yes, you used the word stupid. I said it's not a stupid scenario. You may not like the rules the way they're set up right now, but this gives you the opportunity to change it within the confines of the rules yeah, and, and to level the playing field a little bit. A little bit. See? A little bit. I think it's more than a little bit, personally. Even if it's I think, if it's not equal, I think the schools that not want enough. to invest in baseball are going to be able to do a lot with this. Yeah, they shouldn't have to. That's the point, is they shouldn't have to. Ole Miss Where's the Mississippi money going State? to come from? 
That's what I'm asking. Because if you say, okay, we want to fully fund scholarships for college baseball. So you got 25 guys on a roster. Right now you're doing 11.7. So you're talking about an additional 13.3 scholarships. I don't know if I did the math right or not. But then you've got to balance that out on the, so you're talking about an additional 30 scholarships that cost $50,000 a year. That's a million and a half dollars. Right. So you're saying, where's the money going to come from if you expand to full scholarships? But also you've got this scenario where Ole Miss and Mississippi State are going to drum up money to give them more scholarships. Where's that money think, coming from? I think same place. And you have a hundred and twenty million dollar athletic budget coming from the same place. It can. Why can't it? It's why. Why can't it? Scholarships are currently athletic scholarships are currently being funded through the athletics department's budget. This is allowing you theoretically to tap into academic aid that is already there and stack that money on top of the scholarships for the eleven point seven. They can get you closer to or maybe all the way to full scholarships for some baseball players. Maybe for all of them if you're creative enough. And that has to be offered to all students. You can't just offer scholarships to baseball players. You can't do that academically. You can't do it. No, but if they qualify for scholarships, then you can use that money to help you get to that number. Take a timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. So I got a message back from a friend in college baseball that said this D1 Council baseball news today helps places like Vanderbilt and private schools in particular. I mentioned several of them. You know, ones that are committed to baseball, Duke, fairly recently, Stanford. Rice had kind of stepped away from their baseball commitment a little bit. Tulane is a place that cares about baseball. Miami is an interesting place. But the message I got said basically gave schools like that more money. In the past, you had to be a need-based kid or an athletic scholarship kid, and now you can overlay those dollars. And so you can combine athletic scholarship and need-based scholarship. And I just followed up with a question about whether or not you could stack academic money to get a player at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Alabama, Auburn, wherever, closer to a full ride or maybe to 70% instead of 40%. And the response I got is there are some types of scholarships that can't be accepted, but most academic ones can be. So it may be that it remains to be seen how big of a deal this is, specifically in the state of Mississippi. I don't know that we can proclaim it as progress or, as Borky said a second ago, a terrible day for college baseball in the state of Mississippi. I, I don't oh. know that we can answer that yet. Oh, you guys answered it before? Five minutes ago. We were arguing based on what we thought it meant one way or the other when we didn't really know what it meant one way or the other. Yeah. Well, uh, it certainly sounds like, at best... Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Well, which, by the way, you say where's the money going to come from? Where's the a, a new academic scholarship program money going to come from? If from donors, who's donating money? Who's got the money to donate right now? Schools are, are slashing budgets. Uh, we got a, a release sent to us from Ole Miss about how they cut 
athletic department salaries. And if things don't get better, the academic side is going to get cut too. Enrollment's going to be down across the country, really. I mean, colleges are going to be struggling too, but they're just going to, boom, here's a new academic scholarship program, mostly to help baseball when the university's struggling. That, that seems like a path. They've got to jump through hoops at best to get a scholarship program to help baseball, whereas for the last six years since I've been here, we've spent the the weeks leading up to baseball season talking about scholarship imbalance and how easy it would be for the NCAA to allow baseball programs to offer full scholarships if they can. And then there was a vote this past year, and we spent a few days on it, had a, a bunch of guests talking about why this would be great for Ole Miss and Mississippi State that the NCAA needs to do this because baseball's treated like a redheaded stepchild, and it, it has been forever, and you've got this imbalance where a place like Vanderbilt can just hoard talent because they can offer so much more than everybody else, and now suddenly that's a bad idea. It, I'm just confused. We've, I, I've been here six years, and every single year it's been baseball needs to go full rides. Baseball needs to go full rides. And now suddenly... And I still oh, agree with that. Well, then why was there so much pushback? Baseball needs to go to full rides. Until they do, until... Or, as long as there's an imbalance where Vanderbilt can do whatever they want, and at best right now, Ole Miss and Mississippi State would have to jump through hoops and get the academic side on board to add new programs to help a baseball program. It's not just adding new programs. You could use some of your existing academic sure. scholarship okay. money, which is out there for, for these purposes. And the if academic you have side players is, that qualify for them. Right, and that's also part of the problem, too, is getting players to qualify for academic programs. I mean, getting into school and getting academic scholarships are two very different things. I've got... I've got extensive experience into getting into schools and also them saying, good luck paying for it, uh, because I I didn't make it to that level. So that's just, as long as that kind of process has to exist for you to try to level the playing field, it's a bad system. It's a flawed system, and it needs to get fixed. Because even with this new ruling today, if Ole Miss and Mississippi State can work some things out to help level the playing field. If it's not level, it's not right. If Ole Miss and Mississippi State cannot offer the exact same that Vanderbilt can, it's a flawed and bad system and needs to be corrected. We talk all the time about the fact that the playing field is not level in football. It's not, but they can all offer 85 scholarships. This feels like a lot of the discussions we're having about politics in this country. It's it's Borky is like if we can't fix it all all at once, we don't want to fix it at all. Uh, the proposal like, was there a few step. months ago. It was this there. Is a good, this not, is a good to go to twenty five or thirty scholarships. Yes, it, it was. That Richard. was never on the table. It was no, on the table. Yes, it, go back Ooh. and read it. It to go was to full to allow scholarships school, to allow schools to do that if they could afford it. Absolutely, yes. We talked about it. Absolutely. I'm amnesia. And regardless, the ACC screwed it up. We're crushing it. Why are we crushing? It's a good step. It helps. Why? It's a good thing. It, they didn't well, fix the whole. We started problem, this segment they, by saying we don't know if it's a good thing yet because somebody think, said it I helps Vanderbilt. Good, I believe it to be a good thing. It, it, it doesn't make sense for it how it wouldn't be a good thing for Mississippi State and Ole Miss and for any school that wants to invest money into baseball. And you mentioned that the playing field is not level in college football. You're right, but in baseball, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have the resources. 
to compete. They can compete with anybody in the country. We have the resources here to do that. But we are hamstrung by a bad rule that was on the table and got voted down. And and, uh, for some reason, you don't believe me. We talked about it extensively, and one of the conferences changed their vote at the last minute. We had three full days on it, up until the vote, and somebody changed at the last minute. I think it was the ACC, if I remember correctly. Okay. I'm not going to argue. I don't remember. I'm not going to argue with you about it. If if that's... uh, I'll take your word for it. I, I messed that up. I mean, I remember we talked extensively about the third paid assistant, and obviously that failed. And I know we talked about some good things for college baseball that that ultimately didn't get passed. I don't remember it ever being that, oh, you can go and offer a full scholarship to every single baseball player. But if it was, I hate that it didn't pass. Yeah, your your point about athletics departments and slashing budgets, I I mean, all those things are real. Like, Like, not just college athletics, but like the university systems maybe dealing with a little bit of a um almost a reckoning like basically for the last i don't know 40 years 60 years budgets have just gone up and 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 there's never been a fall off and now if we don't play a college football season you're about to see a big fall off and if we've got colleges that are offering primarily online courses we're about to see a drop in enrollment, dropping out of state enrollment, reduced revenues. Well, who's going to make that up? The state of Mississippi going to make it up? Yeah, guess what? They got reduced revenues right now also. Everybody's dealing with cuts. The third assistant is what the ACC screwed up. The expanded scholarship thing is still in the works. Okay. I screwed up. You did not screw up. Uh, you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Uh, we are eight days away from the opening of Major League Baseball. What, the uh, 23rd of July is the first set of games. And I, cl- I, I, I clicked on a... Video like the the Yankees are doing an inter squad game today, and they've got semi studio announcing going along with it, but it's more like just kind of providing some content for Yes Network, and they're you know showing it and talking about it a little bit. Aaron Judge hit a home run, so he's playing in an inter squad game. Hit it to straightaway center field. You heard the crack of the bat. You heard the announcers a little bit, and you watched him around the bases. Man, it's going to be weird watching a baseball game where. Somebody hits a walk-off home run, and you don't have a mob at home plate. You don't have the crowd going wild. Even if it's in a place like Tampa Bay or Miami where there are only 8,000 people there, those 8,000 people that doggone stuck through it to get to the end to see a walk-off and their team win, they go nuts in those situations. Nothing. It's going to be basically silent. Other than 20 guys going, yeah! I'm for it, man. I can't wait. Can't wait to watch it. But, hey, Dad, when somebody splashes one into McCovey Cove, all you're going to hear is the wind in San Francisco.
it'll probably be for the other team anyway. So yeah, well maybe so. Got, your guys will occasionally hit one. Maybe that ballpark plays so big. Gracious, it plays big. Which steroids or not, almost makes what Barry Bonds accomplished there even more impressive. It is hard to hit home runs in San Francisco. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll take a quick timeout and be right back with you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. You can be part of the show on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Don't forget that um, we've got the uh, Palmer Home for Children Radiothon coming your way one week from tomorrow. It is the 23rd of July. Time's running out for you to donate an item to the online auction. If you would like to do that, shoot us an email. Donate at supertalk.fm. Goods and services, uh, items that you've got, perhaps memorabilia, whatever it is that uh, you think would be uh, would be really cool for the online auction. All of the money raised from the online auction will go toward the children of Palmer Home uh, for uh, for children. It is a faith-based organization that does not take any government money. Uh, all donations go directly to support the life-changing work that is happening at uh, at Palmer Home. And we look forward to being with you one week from tomorrow for the 8th Annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon right here on Super Talk, Mississippi. What were you guys laughing about? You both looked like you had something funny to tell, like a joke to tell, and nobody was in on it but you. Uh, well, it, it's not between the two of us. We must have just seen something yes. funny at the same time. I, I, you were talking about making donate. I was trying to think of like, and and right now, for if you make a donation of, I was thinking of about amount, amount. Richard will be your personal man butler for a uh, for a whole day. Oh, well, the donation level for that. <laughs> just need to find out what what do we do? What do we, what, how much would that cost? Five hundred thousand dollars. That seems like a bit much, but if we could do it, I'd be for it. It's basically doubling our last year's total. No, it's less than doubling our last year's total. We eclipsed three, but well, this is one single donation upgrade. to get to get to Richard, a man butler, huh? Yeah, Can, man servant. I, I, I don't know if, if that's a fan you with palm leaves and feed you grapes for a day. Is that what we're talking about here? That seems like a we're bit much. like wash your car, mow your yard type stuff. Yeah, come mow the grass, wash the car. Yeah, I'll I got some, some handyman projects maybe that need to be done. I don't know. Yes, I would. Uh, I, I could. I could do the whole mow the grass. Eh, I'm much of a wash the car guy. Take the car and run it through a car wash somewhere. No, I need to get an oil change, and they, you get a free car wash with that here at the place I go to. So, see, it's some money. I need. How long do you go on oil changes? Uh, I normally go with whatever the mileage says, but I, on this in this case, I'm about two thousand miles over right now. Do you do regular oil or synthetic oil? Uh, synthetic. So that's like four to five thousand miles is what they. I think they set it for like five thousand miles. You change. I get five five thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're good a couple of thousand miles over. I feel like I'm getting into the area where eh, probably probably need to get it done. And since the quarantine started, since I was getting some March twelfth, I've driven to Jackson once in that car and Tupelo once in that car. Beyond that, I have not gone further than West Point at any point. So it's not like you like an every three thousand miles kind of guy. I'll just do whatever the mileage says. Yeah, just if they put it up in the corner. It's like the day I eclipse it, I take it in, though. Oh, really? I need to do that. 
Yeah, I just, like like I'm never going to be like the day I eclipse it, I take it in. But I usually should do that within you know a couple of I'm, weeks anyway. I'm probably going to do it in the next week because we're supposed to all be in Jackson next uh, Thursday. So I, before I make that trip, I might I'll probably get that done. You're afraid your engine's going to blow up if you don't? I'm not afraid that my engine's going to blow up, but it just makes sense, right? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm two thousand miles over. It, it, I, I can go ahead and get get an oil change. So. There you go. Oh no, I'm not not arguing with you at all. Um. John Harris is going to join us from the Houston Texans to start the 5 o'clock hour coming up in uh, in just a little while. Uh, looking forward to that. We'll talk kind of all things NFL with him. What about this story? So, you know, you've got the narc line for the uh, guys in the bubble in the, uh, in the NBA. Story from Yahoo Sports. We've all had or been annoyingly loud hotel neighbors, but nobody quite like Miami's Jimmy Butler. Security got a noise complaint about one of the NBA Walt Disney World bubble hotel rooms, and when staff went to the door, they found Butler drenched in sweat, saying he was working out and dribbling a ball around in his room. That's according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports and uh, TNT. (laughs) Considering Butler is known for early, like 3 a.m. early workouts, there's a good chance this happened when most of the hotel was sleeping. If one were into conspiracy theories, one might think Butler called security on himself then made sure the story was leaked just to make sure the legend of his work ethic carried into the bubble. (laughs) Not saying that did happen. I'm saying there is a better than 0% chance it happened that way. A report came out yesterday that hotline's been used a few times and not just by hotel staff either. Oh, really? Yeah. Some players have been calling on others. And didn't we see that uh, Rudy Gobert not pleased with the anonymous tip line, calling it petty? Because I don't know if someone's going to use it, but I think it's sort of petty. At the same time, you want to make sure people respect the rules and don't wipe their hands all over their microphones when they're not supposed to. Yeah, Rudy should probably sit this one out. Yeah, just shut your hole and play ball. That's not shut up and dribble. That's... You kind of got the whole infection thing in the NBA started. It would have happened regardless, but you just happened to be one the, the one that got it started. Uh, yeah. As Borky said, maybe just sit this one out. Don Harris is next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian, hey, Dad, thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open. Want double the data for the same dang price? Now all prepaid by Ceasefire plans get double the high-speed data through the end of the year. No bull, just better wireless. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash prepay. John Harris joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. John, give me some good news. Have you got any? <laughs> well, listen, the sun came up today. And hopefully the sun will come up tomorrow. And as far as the only good news that I can give, that's, that's probably about it right now, my man. I, other than that, I'm just, I'm like a lot of people, just kind of hanging around, listening, trying to figure out if we're going to play sports, if we're going to be able to go to restaurants more frequently, if we're going to get back to some sort of normalcy. Uh, normalcy, normalcy. Uh, it's been a long few months. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy, Richard. I mean, the NFL. Uh, you know, I I work for an NFL team, obviously, but we're as in the dark 
as, as anybody. And the frustrating aspect of that is we could very easily find out on Friday, uh, yeah, training camp tomorrow's a go. So let's go. I mean, we can find out the day before. And it'll be like, well, yeah, why should there be any? I mean, it was supposed to be on that day, and it's going to be on that day. The NFL could also say, hey, look, we're going to move this, you know, two, three weeks prior or, or uh, later. So, it, you know, we're kind of like everybody else. It's just that if it does change, uh, you know, we'll, we're kind of the first and the last to hear about it. I mean, we hear about it, but it's like, okay, what are we going to do about it? So we've, we've had meetings, Richard, for months, for months about training camp. In fact, I just had three meetings today talking about training camp. And it all could be complete, totally moot, like just total moot point, not going to, because training camp's not going to happen the way that we think it is. And then by the time we find out what training camp is going to be, we'll have even more meetings to try to figure out how we're going to manage it um, six feet away from every single player in the league. So uh, it's odd and unique times, to say the least. You know, John, it, it feels like the conversation has centered around the idea that no matter what, the NFL is going to play. They're going to figure out a way to play. College football, we felt pretty optimistic for a while. And then over the last couple of weeks, some pretty significant pessimism has set in. And then you kind of got to go and look to find your optimism, you know, if, if you want it out there. But it feels like maybe some of that pessimism has, has moved over to the NFL side of things as well. What's the mood kind of around the building, around players? I'm, I'm not looking for you to break news and say, look, training camp is going to start on this day or you know, they're, they're yeah. going to push the season back three weeks. But are people optimistic? Are they pe- pessimistic? Are they scared? What is it? I, it's all of the above, Richard. I think everybody's a little bit scared. Uh, I think everybody's a little bit anxious. I think everybody's... You know, in, in our building, obviously, when you have an NFL team, there's so many different things. Just like with a lot of businesses, you know, there there are a lot of different things that go into it. I mean, people think, you know, a radio show is just you talking and, you know, maybe Michael and, and Brian doing some things behind the scenes. They don't know about the sales department or salespeople, if there are some. They don't know about marketing, if you have it, you know, all those kind of things. I mean, with NFL team, it's kind of the same way. We have about 150-plus, maybe about 175 people that work in marketing and work in accounting, work in all those people, you know, may not have a direct impact on the season, but the season has a direct impact on them. Um, obviously, we have a direct impact because we got to do interviews, we got to do radio, uh, we have games, we got to cover those games, and so are we going to have fans in the stands? And so our marketing, our marketing people are in stadium. We have a, a whole in stadium game day crew. It's like, yeah. are they should they be getting ready for something? Should they not? And then they're going, well, should I be looking for a job? Because if this isn't going to work because there are no fans in the stands and they don't need us, then they do, do they need the jobs? Because we're going to lose money. So, I, so it's a little bit of everything. There's apprehension. Um, I, I, I think the, NF, the NFL really wants to play but knows optically it has to be as safe as humanly possible. They have to give the impression that, yes, they're not socially distanced when they're at the line of scrimmage, not socially distanced when corners are in press coverage, they're not socially distanced in those other other ways on the field. But every other facet 
of the NFL is going to be socially distanced. The players essentially will live in their own sort of bubble. They've, They've told us, and I think this is going to work this way throughout every team in the league, they're basically, there are three tiers and then there's, kind of a honorable mention tier, essentially, like a fourth tier and beyond. And that tier is basically you don't come in contact with the players at all. Tier one is the players, the coaches, the players, the people that will be on the field. Tier two is kind of a murky area, but it's those that can, their jobs rely on the team, like me, silent reporter, got to be there. Um, But I can't get in contact with a player. Like I can't even get within six feet of a player. Um, then there's tier three people that are going to be, you know, around uh, the building. They can go to their office. I can't because I have to be near the players. The players have to be completely separated from everybody else. And we all work in the same building, which in some NFL teams, hmm. that isn't always the case. So they've got to come up with brand new entrances, to the building for all these other people. They've got all these different ways, like our cafeteria, which is for everybody. That is now just the players. So now they've got to build another cafeteria in the building where just the employees go. And so you've got all this kind of confusion, kind of anger, frustration, anxiety, kind of all building. And there just have been really kind of no answers. And people are getting antsy because training camp's coming up and people are like, what are we doing NFL? And I think the NFL is doing what a lot of colleges are doing, which is we're going to wait until the last possible minute that we have to make a decision. Because once we make the decision, that's it. That's the decision. That's what we're going with. And I think that's that's the way it ultimately could be. I do think the NFL is going to try and play this season. Whether they can finish it or not, I, man, hard to say. I will say, and I, and I don't know how uh, fans in the state of Mississippi saw this, but when I saw the breaking news about the, the vaccine that was used on 45 people and it had the positive impact they were looking for, I – was happy because I felt like, man, maybe that's a first step. But I know yeah. it, it's an early first step. Uh, and it wasn't so much about just, yeah, we get football back. Um, but it was more or less, you know, let's try and get people back on uh, to whatever was normal for them prior to this thing. And let's get people back to living. I mean, Richard, I'm like a lot of people. I have a senior that was in the class of 2020 in high school. And, I mean, her life has just been completely, you know, flipped upside down. And I think about that. When I was 18, if that happened to me, my God, I would have been a mess. Um, So I know there are a lot of people um, looking at this thing. And they're looking at the NFL also for their outlet and, and football to be an outlet. Like, man, I got all this crap going on. I don't have a job right now. But you know what? I can watch the Rebels. I can watch the Bulldogs. I can watch the Texans on Saturday or Sunday. And for three hours, I can just escape in a football game. And, and you know the frustrating the thing, John, is that this whole thing has been so politicized yes. that there, there's like no middle ground as well. I mean, we, we don't have accuracy in reporting. We get the story from yesterday in Florida where you know the numbers are all over yeah. the place. Some people right. think that positivity numbers are the end-all, be-all. Some people think the only thing that matters are, you know, ICU uh rates and mortality rates and how many people are on ventilators and it's like there's no middle ground you believe this or you believe this and it makes it almost impossible to to get to a point i mean the the nfl people and i thought andy staples wrote a good article today at the athletic college presidents they're going to have to get to a point where they believe one it's safe enough 
And two, they got to be willing to take the barbs that go along with it because unquestionably they're going to be a bunch of people that oh, you don't care about people's lives. You, you, all you care about is football. That's what we're dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I saw somebody respond. It was either to Andy Staples or Stuart Mandel, and they were talking about Greg Sankey. And the comment basically was, well, you know, Sankey, where is he getting his news from or whatever the case might be? And, and it was either Andy or Stuart wrote back and said, he's got 14 medical professionals helping him through this. And so it was like, you know, the, the SEC, the Big 12, it's not as if the, the commissioners are not, um, you know, they're not all staying in a Holiday Inn where they feel smarter the next day. You know, they've got these yeah. medical people that are helping them. I, and it's funny you bring up, Richard, because I was substituting uh, on the morning show here in Houston for my buddy who was on his honeymoon when COVID hit. And it was on that Wednesday that I was in uh, when they closed down the rodeo. Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is massive to the city. Yep. Massive. Big deal. And they shut it down, and I was like, whoa. And I remember going in the next day with Seth Payne, former uh, Houston Texan, former Jacksonville Jaguar. And I said, Seth, I hope, I hope, I have a feeling that I know it's going to happen, is that this situation is going to be politicized and it's going to be a complete mess. And that's exactly what's happened. I was afraid of it happening, and it did. And that it, it, that's the thing that's, that's hard in some senses. And, and I speak for, for me. I'm hey, John, sit tight guy. just for a second. We've got a quick timeout. We're going to continue this conversation. John Harris from the Houston Texans, sideline reporter on their radio network. We're back after this on Sports Talk Mississippi. More with John Harris on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. John, uh, up the road, down the road from you a bit in, uh, in Big D, they did not get a deal done with Dak Prescott today. I know talking about the Dallas Cowboys is your favorite pastime. Um, <laughs> going to play on the franchise tag, $31.4 million this year. I think most people probably expected that was going to be the case. Is this a big deal, number one? And number two, so like two hours ago, Dak Prescott's brother, Tad Prescott, tweets, there is a reason I was never a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up or before they drafted Dak. After today, who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for them. Was there more going on behind the scenes than we realized? Well, the answer to that question always is yes. Okay. Always is yes. No matter whether we're talking about Dak Prescott, Derrick Henry, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Rose, the answer is always yes. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it, we talked about Dak before and whether Dallas should have gotten a deal done. And I've always been a, I've always been a Dak guy. I've always liked Dak. Um, I met him at the Senior Bowl, interviewed him, spent some time with him there at the Senior Bowl, and I really wanted the Texans in 2016 to take take a, a long look. And then they went with Brock Osweiler, and um, yeah, so that was a bad move. But <laughs> I, I really wanted them to look at Dak Prescott. I speak from a team that had Brock Osweiler as its quarterback, that had Brian Hoyer as its quarterback, that had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, had Ryan Mount, how these quarterbacks that didn't work. When you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you might as well, and you're just say you're season ticket holder, you might as well just make a donation to the team because that's all you're doing because you're not going to see a team that's going to end up being wildly successful. The only way you have a chance is if you have an elite roster at every other spot on, on the field or 
you have this up-and-coming squad somehow. You just hit on every draft pick possible like the Seattle Seahawks did uh, in, at the beginning of the decade from 2010, 11, and 12, where they hit on Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner. They hit on all these guys, and they weren't to their second contract yet. And then Russell Wilson came around at the right time. They just plopped him in, won one Super Bowl. That's very rare uh, for that to happen. And especially with a salary cap league, you don't have the opportunity to have an elite player at nearly every position on the field. So if you've got a quarterback and a good one, hang on to him. Right. Figure it out and, and get it done. And I just feel like the Cowboys keep looking for this. They keep looking for Aaron Rodgers. They keep looking for, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes when right in front of them is a really darn good quarterback. And I just can't understand why it's not getting done. Now, when you, when something's been going on for a while, and these negotiations, it feels like with Dak have been going on for a while, I can promise you there have been things behind the scenes that have made the Prescott family upset. And I'm sure there are some things behind the scenes where the Cowboys are sitting there going, what is he thinking? He's not going to get that money. And, of course, that's probably caused consternation. Now, the thing about it is Dak working on a franchise tag deal, essentially it becomes another prove-it year. The good thing for Dak is that he's got a competent coach with Mike McCarthy. He's got a good offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, still there. He's got continuity from that. He's got a good offensive line in front of him. He's got one of the best backs in the league. He's got a really good wide receiver core. It's been together for a few years. If they're going to mess around and let Dak have a prove-it year with all that talent around him, and it really goes to a different level, the Cowboys are going to be left holding a big-time bag and trying to give to Dak, and he's like, no, 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 I'm going to bounce. I'm going to go somewhere else. Or you're going to pay me a second franchise tag, which is going to be about $38, 39000000 So either way, Dak's got to make it pay off for himself. The thing is, he's not going in there with one hand tied behind his back. He's got a lot of opportunity to have a big year. I think he will. I think Cowboys will then have to pay an astronomical-like deal uh, to keep him, and they'll look back and wish they would have gotten something done over the last couple of years. Feels like we all look at it that way. I'm not sure why Dallas hasn't looked at it that way. What do you make of the Patty Mahomes deal in Kansas City? <laughs> oh, man, I just wish it wouldn't have been in Kansas City, man. Those guys are going to be on our <laughs> schedule for at least at least once a year probably twice a year, and I've got to watch that joker throw the ball around the yard, and I'm telling you, it, man, I know, Richard, you get a chance to see all the great players in the SEC, and you see them up close. Uh, and I, I'm fortunate I have the opportunity to watch him. And I get a chance to watch Sean Watts every week. I'm lucky. But being on the field, watching Patrick Mahomes work his craft, how good he is, and see the things that he does on a football field, he deserved every dime. He deserved every dime. And the way that they structured the deal, they'll have to really go back to the drawing board with their cap in two, three years, but they can figure it out over the next two, three years because his yeah. cap number is not significant. But get to 2022 or 2023, now all of a sudden that number <laughs> it gets to be fairly significant. But he's got everything possible to continue winning rings, He's probably worth half a billion or even more, as crazy as it sounds, to Kansas City and not only Kansas City, but to the NFL. 
And I read this, and I thought this was pretty interesting when somebody said this. When the players did their Black Lives Matter video that Roger Goodell responded to, there was somebody that said, I've talked to NFL people, and they're convinced that video doesn't get off the ground if Patrick Mahomes is not in it. The fact that Mahomes was in that video is what really got the NFL's attention. And I was like, whoa, man, that is a lot of capital to put on one particular player. But I think he's absolutely, absolutely worth that contract and the way they construct it. Now, the flip side of that is what Deshaun now does. And we heard about, oh, I don't know, about four or five weeks ago, he was looking for a shorter deal. He wanted a shorter deal of about three years, and then he would be only 27. He'd continue to bank those deals. That was kind of the Russell Wilson philosophy. Mahomes blew it up and was like, no, 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 I want to be here for 10 years. Andy Reid's here. Eric Benemy's here. All my dudes are here. We're going to re-sign Chris Jones, dadgummit, and we're going to get it all done. They're the best team in the league, and I saw nearly every team last year. It's not even close. And they'll be the best team in the league next year, and they'll all have played together. They're in run-it-back mode, and oh, by the way, they added Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Thanks, guys. So you think maybe they're doing it right in Kansas City right now. John Harris visiting with us. From the uh, Houston Texans, sideline reporter on the radio, host radio shows in Houston. Uh, really cool website, footballtakeover.com. There's some new stuff on there. You need to uh, check that out if you've not done so. Um, this uh, this college football game that we've been looking forward to for a really long time, and we've joked about when it was going to be played. It was going to finally announce it was going to be on Sunday of, uh, of Labor Day weekend, kind of going to have a standalone spot, and it feels like this thing's in jeopardy big time, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, at least, I will say, at least in our building. And yeah. for probably, Richard, a lot of the reasons we've talked about, because our building is an NFL building. And I think the NFL is, it, the NFL is going to restrict who comes into our building. Um, and I think that's, that's the main reason. So could, could it move up the road to Waco? Potentially. It could, it could do that. Um, We've, you know, we've lost that game before when Hurricane Harvey hit. Uh, BYU and LSU had to move to the Superdome in New Orleans. Um, I have my gut tells me, my gut tells me. I wish I had inside information, um, but my gut tells me that that game may still happen, but I don't believe it'll happen in our building. Yeah, that's kind of how everybody else feels too. And hey, you know it. It would be a shame not to have that game. I think it had a chance to be a pretty entertaining football game, and obviously in a uh, a great facility there in in Houston. But uh, like everything else, stuff changing around us all over the place. John, man, I, I really appreciate uh, you giving us half an hour today. Always enjoy our visits, your insight, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Hopefully, we've got football to talk about in the relatively near future. Absolutely, brother. And anytime you just want to just just talk and get all this stuff off our chest, I got to tell you, Richard, I feel a little bit better just having sat and talked with you. You know, I'm glad. So I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Thank you. The, uh, the the High School Activities Association of Mississippi yesterday said uh, we're playing high school football. They're just pushing everything back two weeks. And you want to talk about a little more pep in my step? And I, I felt good yeah. last night. Felt good. Yeah, I saw that report. I saw that report. And thought of you, and I was like, man, good, good for them. And hopefully uh, they'll be able to play because I I can't even imagine what a senior is going through right now, uh, getting ready for his or her final football season. And it's totally in jeopardy. 
I, like, I don't even know what I would have done without my senior year in football. I probably wouldn't even, I wouldn't be talking to you because I wouldn't be in football. I'd probably be in baseball. So uh, I know what that year means, and I'm glad that the state of Mississippi made a decision and, and continue to play by year, and hopefully everybody stays safe. You stay safe, Richard, and we'll talk to you again soon, brother. You too, my man. That's John Harris from the Houston Texans. Quick timeout. He joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Long conversation there with John Harris from the Houston Texans. What did you guys take away from what John had to say? You know, honestly, for an NFL guy, not as 100% confident that everything's going to happen as I thought they would be. I thought the NFL would be pretty locked in now. Oh, we're having a season. It's going to happen. No question. And he sounded like, you know, not that he wasn't 99, 95% confident, but there was a little wiggle room there, more more than I would have expected. It just, I kind of kind of feels like we've gotten to that point with everybody, right? I guess. But I wasn't expecting it from the NFL guys, what I would say. Yeah. Borky, wouldn't you say just the last week or so where it feels like uh, feels like there's a little bit of doubt that has been emerging on the NFL front? Yeah, especially now that they've kind of dragged their feet on these negotiations. And, of course, the deadline, it, it, how often did people study for a test only the night before the test? So a deadline leads to results, but, I mean, they're supposed to start camp. Most teams, I think, in 13 days, uh, but a handful before then. And they don't have a deal yet. They don't have an agreement on protocols and even the finances have not been agreed upon yet. So on top of the fact that there's doubt in everyone's mind about the fact that whether or not they can put these on, they don't have an agreement yet. I suspect they're going to get one done. There's too much on the line, and they seem to be negotiating better than baseball did because it's not as dirty publicly, Yeah. but they still don't have one yet. Because of our conversation with John Harris, we had to push the college football fix back, so let's do that right now. College football fix is driven by Ford. Check out the full lineup online at buyfordnow.com. Cars, trucks, and SUVs, but don't stop there. Visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Find great savings, some cashback offers, great lease offers, and uh, low finance rates as well. Test drive uh, your favorite Ford vehicle at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So our friends at A to Z Sports in Nashville have uh, have put together an idea for football season. Assuming that we play football and it's a conference-only schedule, but maybe there's some interest in adding one more game. One more non-conference game. Suggestion from those guys is let's just do an SEC-ACC challenge. You know, we've already got the challenges that you see in basketball, the ACC Big Ten challenge, the SEC Big 12 challenge in, in basketball. Let's do one in football. You know on a in a normal year you can't do that, right, because schedules are set so far in advance. But in this crazy year where we're just kind of blowing everything up, there are going to be openings on people's schedules. And you've already got, uh, what, four uh, in-state rivalry games that involve SEC versus ACC. And you've got two additional SEC-ACC games that are scheduled for this year. So you got Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, Louisville. 
for the in-state rivalry games. Mississippi State is scheduled to go to NC State, and you've got um, Auburn and North Carolina. So that's six. But you've got 14 teams in both leagues. Sorry, Notre Dame. You're out. In fact, they uh, they put in the story, Notre Dame, decades of arrogance and greed leaves you on the sidelines. Gosh, you think in college football that would put you right near the very top. Yeah, it's funny how that works. You'd say, Boston College, sorry, you're out. Although, in fairness, Arkansas already has a game scheduled with Notre Dame. Yeah. So, I, I'm pretty sure Arkansas will be... Would be happy to drop that though for a game with Wake Forest or or whoever else is at the bottom of the ACC. Wake These Forest are the matchups beating them anyway, but it's better. Yeah. Um. These were the matchups that uh, that the guys at A to Z Sports suggested. Some of them I'm on board with, just just fine with, and some of them are like, eh. But they kind of went with like school cut, like they were stretching to get reasons why teams should play each other. So you got the rivalry games, and they just threw out everything else. You got Clemson, South Carolina, Louisville, Kentucky, Florida State, Florida, Georgia Tech, Georgia. After that, they said Virginia Tech, Alabama, classic old school programs. Okay. Virginia against Auburn, their rationale is both are blue and orange and the little brother program inside the state. Is Virginia the little brother program in the state of Virginia? Last season, no. Typically, yeah. I think Virginia Tech would be ahead of them, yeah. Football only, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but what are we talking about here? No, I mean, we're talking about football, but sometimes that's like a like an overall departmental thing. I guess. Um, Miami against LSU? They just had it a few couple years ago. Didn't they? Yeah. It was the, it was the first game of the Joe Burrow era. Really? Where? Yeah. Uh, that was one of those. That, I want to say that was one of those kickoff classic games. Was in Dallas. Neutral site deal. I believe okay. so. Yeah, but LSU just pushed them all over the field. Shockingly. Yeah. Um. Syracuse, Texas A and M. I don't love this idea. To be perfectly honest with you. North you don't Carolina, love the idea of the Tennessee. Challenge, or you don't love the idea of that game? Um, I don't love some of the matchups. Oh, so I don't I mean, maybe that. I'd, I'd almost prefer to do like a hybrid. Some of them go to the SEC, some of them go to the big or the ACC, some go to the Big Twelve. But maybe it's easier to do it this way. Yeah, Syracuse, Texas, and North Carolina, Tennessee, Duke, and Mississippi State. They write two really smart veteran offensive minds. One is more stable than the other. I mean, I'll give them that. Uh, NC State, Arkansas. Their rationale is both are red. (laughs) (laughs) Wake Forest and Missouri. Pittsburgh and Vanderbilt. Rationale being both really hate Kevin Stallings. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Boston College and Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin versus Bostonians would be entertaining. I mean, I, I, I like the concept, but Auburn is already playing North Carolina this year. Uh, yeah. Vanderbilt, or Virginia and Georgia are playing each other. Um, you know, I mean, 
Mm-hmm. I guess they're already playing Georgia Tech, aren't they? In Virginia mm-hmm. and Georgia playing each other. Who does Virginia open year? the season with? Uh, I don't know, but Georgia, they do. How did I forgotten that one? Well done. So, so we've got seven already on the schedule. Yeah, and I mean, state's already playing North Carolina State. So, yeah, you yeah. Know, why not just sort of keep what you have and then sort of just work schedule around the other that. seven? Yeah, yeah, you just schedule the other seven. Yeah. And of right, course, so like I it, said, Georgia has two. You might have to cancel the Virginia game, but still. Fair enough. So, yeah. Well, you just backtracked on me. Well, I, so Clemson, I, I, I'm just saying, though, there, there's already a lot of these games already scheduled. There's just no point yeah. in switching everything up. So you do Clemson, South Carolina, Louisville, Kentucky, Florida State, Florida, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Mississippi State, NC State, Auburn, Auburn North, North Carolina. Carolina. All right. Um, somebody's got to play Virginia. Kentucky. Are you okay with Alabama, Alabama Virginia Tech? Yes, I would be fine with that. I like you know what? It's Alabama Miami. Even though I know it wouldn't be a great game, just you know. Okay. LSU Virginia Tech. Sure. Ole Miss against Virginia. Perfect. Uh, to add le- to- Go ahead, Borky. Uh, to add legitimacy to this uh, conversation, uh, friend of the show, hopefully will be on tomorrow too. Uh, Ross Dellinger just uh, released a report from inside of the room at the AD meetings. He got somebody to talk to him, and they, uh, according to him, they have narrowed down dozens of models down to a handful, and one of them includes playing your SEC schedule plus one. So a nine-game SEC schedule or a 10-game SEC schedule plus one was their preferred method. And the feeling in the room was that players and our, the communities want football to happen. So just to add to this conversation of things they're exploring, here's one. A nine-game schedule plus one was a, a heavy favorite in the room. Nine plus one for a total of ten. And I'm assuming you would, would you do that where if you played five home SEC games, you went on the road, and if you played four home SEC games, you got a home non-conference game? Maybe. Maybe that's too much of the minutia. The 10-game conference-only schedule, according to Ross, uh, is unlikely to gain support, and one AD called it laughable. They want the non-conference games to... Or at least one to happen. Hmm. Are those rivalry games? I mean, I guess they're that important, huh? Oh yeah, for sure. Georgia, Not Georgia Tech plays their rivals. You know, some people enjoy those games. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, Clemson, South Carolina, and I guess in the Commonwealth, Kentucky, Louisville is a really big deal as well.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.